to Miami, 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 and I'm going to bring you goat socks, if you like, and I thought I'd post them out from there, dear listener, to wherever you are in the US of A. Meanwhile, we are in the grain store at Wiggly Wigglers, Lower Blakemere Farm, Herefordshire. Richard is showing up well, because he's in, is that lime green, darling? Yeah, I've got my fluorescent bomber jacket on. <laughs> you can't miss Ricardo jacket. Mm. Yeah. Looks like a smurf. Well, I'm going to go up to hay in a minute, so I need to stand out in the middle of the garden, in the middle of a field where there is no one else. I but, am a pillock. But there's so always that chance. <laughs> yeah. well, we know How that, Phil. Yeah. That? <laughs> we know that, Phil. And uh, Farmer Phil in, is in his normal set of rags. Dressed to impress. Mm. <laughs> uh, now, I must do a quick report on Farmer Phil's attire. During the weekend, Easter weekend, I got him out into the garden drastically digging and planting and the garden looks alright I'd have shifted around the garden this morning. I, I enjoyed uh, all the tulips in the raised beds mm. that's quite an effect yeah, lovely pretty cool but Farmer Phil it was a hot weekend and he still had his padded shirt on I think it might be stuck on it's on in bed <laughs> <laughs> that's more information than we only than joking we needed. Uh, Michael shakes his head in Sorry. The funniest thing, because we moved into this grain store, I, uh, I went over to, because Phil brought the table and chairs over from the house, mm. all the cause sodding wet. Uh, sodding, no, sodden wet. <laughs> sodding wet. Oh, oh, couldn't no. be either, really. And uh, I thought, oh, I need a towel to dry. So I, I, I popped over to the house to get a towel, and I went into your laundry room and got the towel off. It was just about to go in the washing machine and brought it over. And as I was wiping the table over, it occurred to me that that towel may well have dried the naked body of Farmer <laughs> Phil. <laughs> so, Felt slightly uncomfortable using it. Don't worry, Rich, yeah. it's my towel. <laughs> oh, that's all right then. I don't want that a bit. Oh dear. Do you want a drink? <laughs> <laughs> now then, we're in the grain store to find out more about drying grain. And obviously it's completely pest proof. As you can hear, there are no birds in here at all tweeting. Are there, Farmer Phil? No, uh, we're it's all... only because the door's open and they come in. Just to, to sit on the beam and, and say hello. Uh, aren't they coming in to eat the grain, dear? No, oh. of course not. Ridiculous idea. We keep them off the grain in the fields as well. They Excellent. don't go anywhere near that. No, of course they don't. No. Richard, mm. you have been in a thunderstorm. Oh, I, have. I yeah, love that was a thunderstorms. Fabulous. We all said the same thing this morning, that thunderstorms are the most fabulous thing to be involved in and to stand there and listen to those claps above your head and the atmospheric lightning flash across the sky. We could clear up that little heather mystery, couldn't we? So if it's the safest place to be is in a car, is it safe if you put your one foot out on the ground and your other hand on the roof? No. Right. There we are. (laughs) I told you it wasn't that safe. It's especially... At one time, I remember the most amazing thunderstorm, lightning lightning and and whatnot I've ever seen, fork lightning was we were fishing um, several years ago we were fishing for poor beagle sharks off Heartland Point down in North Devon we used to do it every year you know 
and I think it was probably around about July time and the, the storm was all around us you know we were quite literally in the eye of the storm and there was lightning hitting the water but probably as close as 25 yards away and we <laughs> so of course we're all holding carbon fibre fishing rods <laughs> that so we all sort of popped our fishing rods down That's and like snuck off into the, into the blue come here Mr Lightning <laughs> come and give me a <laughs> <good laughs> belt yeah. I've got a lightning conductor and I'm <laughs> holding it up in the air and Clive the skipper who's slightly, uh, slightly eccentric said well Oh, I don't suppose it would hurt that much, would it? I don't suppose it. Can it, can it, can it, can it bother us? <laughs> well, surely you, you should know these things, Clive. I haven't been at sea for the last 25 years. Let's go to a Montycast, a weekly fact on wiggliness, as Jam comes to say hello. Hello, Jam. The Montycast, a weekly fact on wiggliness. Elspeth Thompson recommended wiggly wildflowers in the Daily Telegraph this week. Another Montycast next week on the Wiggly Podcast. Thank you, Monty. Anyway, I've got a fact for you. We've done nine wiggly weddings this year with flowers. That's good. That's really good. But we've done 24 wiggly funerals with flowers. Oh, right. I wonder if that'll change, because people tend to die less during the summer, don't they? So and get married more. Think, yeah, possibly. I think we'll have the, an update on this yeah. in October. <laughs> <Six months' time. laughs> yeah. Anyway, a case for flowers for a wiggly divorce or not? Oh. Uh, is, a, is a divorce something to, worth celebrating? I don't know. Well, it depends which way you look at it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We could split the flowers and send each person a half a bunch or a bunch of nettles. Hmm. Moving on. There's been an amazing cure found for colony collapse. Michael sent me this. And so I'd like your comments on this. It says there may finally be some good news when it comes to colony collapse disorder in honeybees. Starting a few years ago, apiarists began noticing that honeybee colonies were dying off in record numbers. Well, we know that. A host of suggestions were put forward as to why. Some reports even attempted to link cell phone usage with the loss of honeybees. Oddball suggestions aside, detailed studies into the DNA and health of bees found that fungal invaders or viruses were potential causes of the large-scale collapse. And what's the cure, Farmer Phil? Well, I expect the cure has yet to be distilled out of the research, but they've isolated a particular fungus that, when they killed it, the colony recovered completely, and they used an antibiotic in this case, but I suspect they'll be able to narrow that down to some sort of fungicide or specific antibiotic, and if that works, great. But... One supposes that if you're an organic honeybee, you're going to have to look out, are you? Right. Oh, well, yeah, yeah it's, not, it's not the answer. Worst piece of research is, is good, and, and I, I, was, uh, I was lifted having read this, in fact, because it's, you know, it's, the decline in honeybee populations is definitely something worth worrying about. And I know we've talked about uh, colonic, colonic collapse before. Colonic irrigation. Colonic collapse. With various apiarists, what this outlines is that there is light at the end of the tunnel in terms of being able to identify the possible probable causes of said colony collapse you know but of course the treating with fungicides and antibiotics is it's definitely not the answer phil is it because it's only going to work in the short term because everything eventually builds up an immunity to these treatments Rich, so the only real way you're going to be able to in it you're going to be you're able only to cure it with a fungicide <laughs> because i'm responding to you yeah and it doesn't matter whether the fungicide is natural or Woo! 
a made-up one. If you don't treat it, the bees will die. Yeah, but it's only in the short term. In the short term, uh, the use of the application of fungicides is probably a, a useful thing. And certainly in this instance, what it's been able to, to do is provide these guys the opportunity to isolate the probable cause of, of this um, colony collapses. A podcast Heather aside, you will note, dear listener, that normally I sit in between the pair. Sadly, on this occasion, we're in the grain store and they're literally three inches from each other. And so I'm a little <laughs> worried. That it's just how I do. It's just funny you should mention that because I have felt myself easing towards Phil <laughs> with every word. I, sort I, of, I can see. I sort they, of almost, they've almost sort of joined up. And, and whereas uh, they are both on individual <laughs> chairs, they now seem to be just a few uh, inches from each other. Much more so close. Ricardo, he'll be wearing his chair. <laughs> so close that Farmer Phil's peaked cap is just resting on <laughs> Richard's eyebrows. <laughs> the anyway, cap is just there. It's, it's luring me to a little uh, backhand flip straight across <laughs> the barn floor. So it's not a cure, or it is. In the short term, it, it, the, obviously the use of the fungicides and antibiotics is an option. But in the long term, of course it isn't, because the problems associated um, with this disorder persist, then they will persist to the extent where they will build up immunities to the application of things like fungicides and antibiotics, as, 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 everything, true. as everything does. It is absolutely no, necessarily true. Of course it is. That's what no. happens the, the world over, is why human beings are running out of, uh, of antibiotics. And, We've been um, quite successful for a while, though. Rich, yeah, but of course it's all, it's all heading in the same direction. Not all pesticides cause resistance, depends how they work. And the interesting thing about this study was that the Spanish apiaries, where it was discovered, they discovered the pathogen first, and then they looked at it and said, well, we've not seen that pathogen. They couldn't find any of the things they expected to find, which they were looking for the varroa mite, varroa destructor. They were looking for IAPV, which I don't actually know what that is. No, I don't know what that is. is. And they couldn't find any evidence of pesticides. Just a minute, over to Michael for IAPV. I think it's Israeli acute paralysis virus. Israeli acute paralysis virus. Doesn't sound very nice, does no. it? <laughs> the interesting no. thing to me is that given that bees, we all know and agree that bees have been having a hard time, and we know that the, the varroa mite and pesticides have been right in the frame, and varroa, I think, is still in the frame, but in this case, they couldn't find any evidence of those three things which they expected to find. They isolated the fungus, and having identified it, they then treated other disease colonies with something called fumagillin. Now, I don't know what it is. It says it's an antibiotic. And observed a complete recovery of the colony. Therefore, the next stage, they've discovered by removing the pathogen that cures the colony, so that now they have to research what things they can treat that pathogen with to cure the problem. And the, your comment that they'll generate resistance to everything is complete toddle. Well, just pause here for a um, small Tonka toy to pass by. Thank you, Tonka toy. So, Rich, there's a chance that it's sorted. There's a chance that I sort complete twaddle? No, certainly not. Certainly not. Did I say that? No, the, the, uh, the point I'm trying to make, really, is that in the, in the long term, if you're looking to protect 
hives from problems associated with uh, with various diseases, then it needs to be done so in a way that doesn't rely on the knee-jerk, reactive introductions of treatment. Uh, so what do you think, listener? Well, there are various there are various things. I mean, you can't obviously you can't to a certain extent rely on the the development over generations of these animals because essentially we we don't have time to wait for that. I mean, if you but if you think of the comparison between the Japanese honeybee, for instance, and the European honeybee, where European bees have been introduced to Japan, if they come under attack from giant Japanese hornets. That it quite literally, the whole hive can be wiped out in a matter of hours. But, let's, let's stick to the but the We've Japanese bee, as, as Japanese honeybee, listen, listen a minute. The Japanese honeybee has, has developed again. to the extent where it, it knows exactly what to do when a scout from a Japanese hornet comes to its hive. You know, where it will Fair quite literally enough. jump on it and and but with its all its jump suffocate it. So it's so it's evolution. So what the, the best thing to do really is to look at ways of hybridizing bees. So that certain, so certain, GMBs. certain GMBs. No, no, it's not genetic You're modification, is it? Oh, yes, leave it there. It's not hybridising. Like everything is hybridised. Like your, like all your cows. You I know, mean. your cows—they're not genetically modified, are you? You don't cross um, a, a Holstein Friesian with a South Devon and call it. Uh, genetically modified it's not it's no, genes I don't I call it bread I, it's exactly my point Rich and what it just proves to me that you will let the bees die out well actually you won't because you would <coughs> no. use a fungicide but oh, you will let the bees die out oh, and then say evolution has caused them to die out oh thank god Pointless. there's not an act no yeah. I wouldn't say that that's not that's exactly what I'm not I'm not exactly what I'm not saying look what do you think listener why don't you email Richard at Wiggly Wigglers or PWG at Lower Blakeman Farm. Let them know your views. And why not come on the show? That would be brilliant. We need a B person. We need a plan B for this argument. <laughs> what I really want to know, I mean, that was only supposed to be a short snippet. What I really want to know is we're sat in the grain store. I want to know about the floor. I want to know about the cleaning. I want to battle against the Tonka toy noise. I want to get to grips with the grain store. Do you, Rich? <laughs> I'm kind of sat here thinking, it's so much more cosy in the house. <laughs> <laughs> I, don't have to, I don't have to compete with the, with the sound of a reversing forklift truck as well as Farmer Phil. Just Farmer Phil. <laughs> This is innovation. Yeah, it is. This it is, is coming innovation. out into the field. It, 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 it just it just smacks of doing that podcast recording in the in the uh, in the trailer outside dispatch that time when I was <laughs> quite keen not to do it in the trailer. Oh, there was a review um, on iTunes saying the trolley dash was the funniest thing they'd ever heard, <laughs> and can we please do it again? <laughs> no, certainly <laughs> not. Yeah. Oh, leave yeah. it. Now, come on, Farmer Phil. We want to know why is this barn designed as it is? Well. In the drying of grain, in Europe we have to dry most of the, or a lot of the grain we harvest because it's harvested too wet to store safely and there are various ways of doing it and we are sitting in the way that we choose to do it so that the corn comes off the field, off the combine, into a bulk store and we're sat into the store. Bulk store means you just put it in a heap and in this case, if you look at the floor, it, it's got strips of wood interspersed with strips of perforated metal yeah and the perforations are small enough so that the grain doesn't fall through them but air can go through them right and underneath the floor is a space and ducts that link it to the central tunnel 
which you can see at the side there which is a big duct that joins it all up and on the end of the tunnel is a big fan and it's all big here yeah. <laughs> essentially big old farmer phil well, yes to have everything else give you, around him to give you an idea of the, the fan the fan is capable of shifting fifty thousand cubic feet oh. of air every minute yeah which is quite a lot so what you're saying is you could have put that heater on today then and we could in fact be warm well what little is left of your hair would be pointing straight (laughs) upwards because of the extreme draft (laughs) what's a little is left of white hair each year we'll hoover it out completely clean it all out and then the crops put in fresh so is it insulated because if you're blowing all this air around I mean, I know the door's open and it is very, very cold in here, but it, are the walls insulating no. the grain? The, the principle of drying grain is that if you blow air through the grain at less than a specific relative humidity, i.e. dryness, then it will extract moisture from the grain. And that, that depending on what moisture you want to end up to, depends on the relative humidity. So that in the summer, when it's sunny, the air is quite dry, quite a low relative humidity, so you just dry the grain with ambient air. We have the facility to add small amounts of heat. If you raise the temperature of the air just by a couple of degrees, you can reduce the relative humidity effectively by probably 5%. And that means that you can dry... Oh, that's like the hair dryer. It still dries your hair even if it's on cold. Yeah. There, exactly. there, you wouldn't know about hair dryer though. <laughs> No, I I wouldn't. (laughs) And the the point is that you're using modest amounts of energy, so you're not blasting a lot of heat into it. The downside is it takes a bit longer to do. From our point of view, because everything we grow is for seed, we can't heat the grain at all, really, because if you heat it beyond uh, 39 degrees C, you denature it and you'll kill it. Right. So that you have to keep it cool. In, In other types of dryer you rely on heating it to dry it quickly but that would kill it and you know we can hear the tonka toy all the time yep what is it doing it's collecting bird seed together for you ah so the the stores are being used for the bird seeds at the the same time the the advantage of this type of store is that you can drive on this drying floor there it goes look we get the, do, the grain in and do, out with, with a JCB and a bucket. Nice. And so that this floor is strong enough to drive on, and as you've pointed out, there's a little bit of dirt around the doorway, and that's from driving on it. Right. But the great advantage of that is it's easy to use. Otherwise, you have ducts that go across the floors, or you have silos, which you can't drive in at all. We've got some silos over the way, yeah. and the grain goes in the top and out of the bottom. So you can't drive in those, so you're restricted by the speed that the augers will move the grain, which isn't very fast. And is there a limit to what you can dry? Because I know you dry the bokashi on this floor, don't you? But, I mean, if you were drying, I don't know, some seeds that are really fine, like niger, wouldn't it all fall through yeah, that well, hole? If you, if you need to dry something that's very fine, what we do is to lay a layer of hessian over the top of the floor to effectively reduce the size. We did that when we grew clover and things like that, very small seed. You put hessian across the floor, and the other thing that you can vary is the depth of crop on the floor. So grass seed you don't put very deep, wheat you can put 10 feet deep. And how do you know what you can do, or is it just the size of the...? Some of it's experience, and some of it depends on how wet it is when you start. 
so that if it's very wet it's better as a rule of thumb not to put it as deep until it's drier. Let's talk money. So this, uh, <laughs> <laughs> so this shed here doesn't seem that big that we're sat in. How big would this be, Rich? Oh, it's, uh, it's big. Is it is it? big. <laughs> <laughs> this is a big shed. It's a big shed, yeah. yeah it's got to be. It, what is it? Gotta to be put it into context, if we just put wheat in it, we could meters, store 1,200 tonnes of wheat in How in many metres would this bit be? The length of the shed is six 15-foot bays, and it's about a 50-foot span. So it's six, whatever six 15s are, 90 feet long by about 47 feet wide. Okay, so that's bigger than the kitchen. It is bigger than the kitchen. So how much, so you can can store in here how much? It's not a vast shed by some shed standards, but if you filled it with wheat, you'd put about 1,200 tonnes of wheat in here. Right, and how long would that take to dry? That is such a, how long is a piece of string? Mostly it's how wet it was because it might come this last harvest my neighbour Oscar phoned me up and he said here I've just realised I've got some wheat coming off the combine that is so wet that if you press it in your hands you can wring water out of it and sure enough we'd got some the same and it was essentially coming off the combine at over 30% water it took us a long time to dry it we had water running off the ceiling of the, the shed here because obviously the fan pushes the water out of the top and then it was condensing on the roof and it would run off the roof. Absolute nightmare, so that would take a long time. You're aiming at 15% moisture. So if you work in terms of We know. Kilos, we heard it on the grain drying episode. But what's quite <laughs> interesting is that if you've got to dry 15% out of a tonne of wheat... 15% moisture, so 30% down to 15%, that's 150 kilos of water that you've got to drive out of it. Times 1,200 tonnes. Which could be quite a lot. But normally, a, we try and get a significant percentage of the harvest would come in drier than 15% off the field. That's the best. Then all you have to do is to cool it just by blowing ambient air through it. And, you know, if the worst was 18 19%, you dry that down to 15. Well, I'll be. You don't have this trouble in the garden, Rich, do you? No. Harvesting crops? I had terrible trouble drying onions last year. Didn't dry, did they? Because it was so wet. So they didn't store. Shame, that is. Because we love our onions. Because normally onions you dry in the field. You've probably seen them. You'd windrow them on a farm scale and in the garden you lift them and put them on the top and let the sun dry them. But if it keeps raining on them... They just never dry and they go all soft and squadgy. Very disappointing. Small balls of tonka toy and jam. (laughs) Why does jam come every time the tonka toy comes by? Just to check we're still here. Okay. Now, Rich. Yeah. You have been out in a thunderstorm. There was a heck of a thunderstorm. Night before last. Yeah, it was amazing, wasn't it? Yeah. So it must have covered the county then, because when I mentioned it to you, you said... Oh yeah, wasn't it amazing? It was fantastic. So it was, it was, it, it was enormous because I think it was probably moving up from the, the south. So uh, it probably got to me first and then came over to Lower Blakemere afterwards. But it, it was, it was an incredible thing. Because I yesterday I did a, I went to an event at Three Counties Show Country Tastic and did some. Um, I, it was really good fun actually because I, I put out these square boxes and filled them with leaf litter. 
and filled them with um, ground beetles and slugs and snails and wood lice and pill bugs and all sorts of stuff, right? And the kids could just quite literally jump into this world of leaves and find all these goodies. But of course, I had to find the goodies myself first, you know. So, so an hour before the thunderstorm started, I was in the woods rummaging around under rocks and bits of tin and, and things like that to try and find all sorts of little inverts. And as I, I looked, you know, just down the valley and I saw the sky just thickening. It was black, you know, and, and it, was, it was a really warm day. It was a wonderful day. Yeah, it was. It was almost certainly the warmest day of the year. And obviously, you know, these this two weather bands were, were colliding, you know, and, uh, and there was this enormous clap of thunder. And literally, the house was shaking, and the whole, it, would, it, it seemed as though the, it, the valley was shaking. <laughs> yeah, that's right, possibly, yeah. Quite possibly. And anyway, so I thought, well, I must run in and get, get a little iPod and do a, get a recording of this, you know. So that was good, actually, because it made use of my time while I was waiting for the <laughs> rain to stop. So yeah, it was brilliant. I do. I mean, the thunderstorms are the most amazing things, and uh, and and you know, the animals seem to kind of know what's going on. You know, it's not a complete shock to their their systems. And uh, does, it, does it bother the cattle in the yard? Doesn't seem to. Because horses hate it, don't they? Some of them do. Sometimes horses will go about, and other times horses will just stand quietly by the hedge and be quite happy. It, it is strange. I mean, some dogs cannot abide them. Same with humans. My auntie Pip used to go to the bottom of the cellar and put her wellies on. Mm-hmm. I don't know why. I go to the top of the house and look out the window. Here we go. Here's Ricardo in his thunderstorm. There's something particularly amazing about thunderstorms. It just sends shivers down the back of my neck. And this, I'm probably what, is almost certainly the warmest day of the year so far. We're in the middle of April. These bands of weather colliding and the lightning is flashing across the sky. And all the birds are still singing away, they're in full throttle. People just riding up the lane on their horses, and they, I think they've kind of scurried back quite quickly to get off the horses because those things are so skitty that they they could go off the rails if they're not used to anything in, in particular. And thunderstorms are certainly one of those things. It's amazing. The sky now is. is just rolling all around which makes you think that any minute now we're going to have a monumental explosion above our heads just lying in the field, three of them together. Seem almost oblivious to what's going on around them. And here comes the rain. Ooh. 
It's almost like a summer storm. Listen to that rain now. Steros. Might be a good thing, it might break up the ridiculously hard clumps in my garden. Give me a chance to walk it over a little bit. Well, Rich, nearly time to end the show, but for those listeners who aren't sure what this racket is, what are these birds? They're sparrows. Are you, Richard? <laughs> oh, no, God, but I God, they're Yeah, they are. It feels right, though. They are sparrows. <laughs> well done, sir. <laughs> the only, uh, it's the only sensible thing he's <laughs> said all day. This, this episode. <laughs> but, yeah, little high sparrows. They are beautiful. We were just talking about them now. You know, something that's, that's just completely uncomplicated uh, in, in every respect can be so endearing you know but like you have I suppose <laughs> thank you Rich <laughs> anyway because I've... it's raining outside they're yeah. all standing on the rafters of the of the grain store here looking down at us saying what is going on in the grain store what is that bloke in a fluorescent yellow jacket doing in our grain store shivering in the What's grain store <laughs> Yeah, they are, and it's good to see. And, and it's a funny thing, you know, Phil, you, you mentioning that at one point the sparrows seemed to disappear because possibly because of the, the fact that the grain store was uh, hermetically sealed and they couldn't get in and there was an absence of, of available food. But since the business has been mixing and lots of, of seed and you've grown your own seed now, they've, they've really made a comeback. And, and that's, you know, that's a good thing to think that that's the case. And you've, you know, obviously you've sort of come to a conclusion there why they disappeared and why they've come back. But in lots of instances across the country, they have quite literally disappeared have, um, and haven't come back and no one seems to know uh, the reason why. Well, it seems obvious to me that having started providing food and they come back, there's the reason. But Birdsong definitely lifts your mood, as does whistling. We have Ronnie now, who comes to Wiggly Wigglers twice a week to paint a bit of this and that and tidy up every now and again and he whistles and it's joyous anyway dates for your diary Malvern Spring Gardening Show is 7th to 10th of May yep Ricardo you'll be there I will be be there be doing uh, a little talk as well I think on the Friday and Saturday and Sunday one talk on each day just in the uh, in the marquee adjacent to the organic area wildlife gardening worm composting wildlife gardening pretty much yeah worm composting yeah any veggies the usual thing (laughs) (laughs) wormery will travel hey the bees came out on the weekend and went all over our pear blossom right did they yeah because the day was nice wasn't it warm gorgeous day yeah yeah and that's the thing with honeybees is they they need that warmth and then order to venture out from their hive but a couple of days before it was quite a cool day and i rather wonder whether they'd come to grief because there was not a bee yeah, you should have, I mean, the afternoon. You, you'll probably have a fantastic crop of pears this year because that hive is adjacent to all those fruit trees, so they'll be a means of being able to ensure that you've got a hey, lot of big healthy pears. some more trees, Rich. I noticed. Yeah, it's good. It's nice that you're more doing. Orchard. Nice that you're doing something good for the environmental change. <laughs> <laughs> Three cider apples, two quinces, two pears, and two eaters, and two green gauges. Oh wow. Oh, yeah. a couple of green you may there. mock oh, Ricardo, but then there'll be a limited supply of cider, and I expect you'll be there. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know me, Phil. 
And in that, that vein, I took him to the Museum of Cider in Hereford to find out how to make it. Really? Very good. Wonderful. Yeah. So it's the next investment. So you'll be on eBay next looking for an apple press. <laughs> well, we've got all the equipment uh, in the village, Rich. Have you? In the yeah. village. We've have got you got a, you got a mill chase? Have you got a mill chase in the village? Haven't? Uh, no, we've got a scratter and a press. Right. A cheese. Well, you put the cheese in the press. Which is actually apples. Anyway, I know why I'm confused, and that's because I, as a woman, see three million more colours than you. And that is confusing. Hay Festival is between the 21st and the 31st of May. <laughs> it, is, it certainly is, yeah. <laughs> yeah hopefully it's going to be drier this year than it was last year. So uh, are you going to make an appearance this year? I on, hope on the so. Garden, or are you going to do what you usually <laughs> yeah, do? And try try and stay away as if, much as possible. If the weather is... If the weather is like last year, don't bank on it. <laughs> yeah, no. that's, yeah, that's right. Just leave it to the minions to suffer the, <laughs> suffer the turmoil. I did print off the programme to share with you, listener. But as it is 47 pages long and the podcast is ending now, I suggest you go to the Hay Festival. Just Google Hay Festival and you can download your own and probably not print it off. Uh, but there's some corking uh, Some really people. good things. Uh, some really good things. I know uh, Nick Stern's there, isn't he? At, uh, the Stern, Stern Report. Stern Ob- and Julian Cleary, I think. We're probably going to go and see Julian Cleary because yep. he's incredibly funny. And top of the bill... Uh, top of the top of the bill is um, Archbishop, isn't he? Is uh, yeah, yeah. It's uh, Desmond Tutu, which is uh, quite <laughs> an achievement. How, the, how on earth uh, they managed to? Uh, well, Peter Florence, really, I suppose, is a very capable man in terms of being able to get all these amazing people. The opportunity of seeing Desmond Tutu in a in a uh, in a, a field that will probably be a, a swamp <laughs> in, uh, in, in, in <laughs> mid Wales. It's, uh, it's not one to be missed. I don't know how much tickets will be. I'm sure. I don't think they're on sale yet. No, not yet. And we've got Dominic Murphy from The Guardian on our garden. Right. Uh, he's going to do a bit of planting. And uh, we've also got 100 wellies. Fantastic. 100 wellies to plant up. If the weather's... <laughs> and I think <laughs> it's like it is, is John the Potter going to be there as well? John the Potter's going to be there. If you'd like stuff. a plan of our garden, just email me. It's um, uh, not a very complicated plan. But there we are. But it's a lovely garden. It's a lovely garden, mm. so come and see us then. Open Farm Sunday, 7th of June. We will be participating in some way in a farm near here. Uh, not quite sure on that. Uh, details to follow. So next week's show, we've got feedback from Tim Teague on Set Aside. He's right put out about Set Aside, and he's very, very keen on conservation, and he's a farmer from Shropshire who has proper cattle i was thinking the other day how much more i think of farmer phil from leaving that big acreage of set aside on oh. the top of the farm there shall i snog him i think <laughs> it's time for a snog <laughs> <laughs> oh dear that was me <laughs> okay so uh, well that's very nice of you to say so richard and farmer phil do you think more of richard for um saying that he wouldn't pay for that Space. No, but I do think that I have changed him. If he has registered the fact that I have done something that I didn't have to do, then I'm very pleased about that. Good God. Group hug, everyone. <laughs> Megan Lynch has set us up on Twitter with a wiggly word of the day. And so far we've had hopping, which is when you go and pick hops, not actually when you go on one foot. A set, which is a badger set, not a hairdo. And biodiversity, which is in fact biodiversity. 
Bye from me, from Wiggly Wigglers. If you want to join us on Twitter, I'm at Wiggled. Farmer Phil is at Farmer Phil with no E. And Richard can't do Twitter because it's only 140 characters. Bye. Bye from me. <laughs> I, say, I was going to say, can I say about Megan's tomatoes? Because we put Megan's tomatoes Chomp, in the garden. That's 140 <laughs> characters, all gone. <laughs> of course you can, can Ricardo. We've got time. Just yeah. to say, Megan, dear, your, uh, your black crim that you sent to Terry last year, of which he gave me some that have been in my fridge all winter, will be featuring in lots of Wellington boots on the Hay Festival show garden this year. Fantastic. Excellent. That is bye from me.